0: your wife. Maybe it's my wife. People are so terrified of stepping. Since the dawn of cinema, filmmakers have dared to ask questions. 2001 A Space Odyssey asked, what if robots were real and they hated us? <laughs> the Matrix asked, what if the internet was real and it hated us? And now the beta test asks, would you deadass, leave your spouse for somebody who's been statistically determined to be down exactly as bad as you are, horny within a 0.01% margin of error. Stay tuned, things are about to get sexual adjective.
1: The Jim Cummings in this movie down tremendously, down horrible. Man has never been down this bad before. <laughs> Welcome to the Bomb Squad Podcast. I'm Tanner Richard Kraft, And I'm Austin Sweebleman The Tanner and Austin Show this week. We couldn't convince anyone else to support indie film because they're fake film lovers that don't really tr- support true cinema and only care about Marvel movies like Black Widow and Iron Man 2. I heard they went to Cane's and kept screaming at Spike Lee to play Wonderwall. I don't know why. <laughs> it was really weird. You gave me a lot of homework this week, motherfucker. Yeah, by the way, we're talking about about the beta test the new Jim Cummings movie and I gave uh, Austin a lot of homework because uh, I love Jim Cummings so I made him watch a bunch of shit
0: (laughs) Uh, but fortunately Jim Cummings is contractually obligated to never make a movie longer than 90 minutes He's the anti-Snyder.
1: Anti-Snyder.
0: Because he almost feels to me, now having seen the three features that him and his company Vanishing Angle had put out, he feels like this sort of, like, messiah figure that's coming down to be very relatable, but also deliver the goods in this really quality way. And that's weird, because, you know, not too long ago when I was starting out an indie film, you had people like Shane Carruth, who were these weird obelisks standing in front of a young film student, just like... is. Is he a super genius? Is he using his powers for good? What are these movies about?
1: We later discovered Shang was an asshole, actually. We later discovered Shang was using his powers for very evil. And then fast forward and you have fucking Thunder Road. How'd you hear about Cummings? Is it just through me screaming at him about him at you?
0: I first heard about Jim's work in a review by Adam Johnston, I think, known on YouTube as Your Movie Sucks. He was doing this uh, oh, the review guy. of Thunder Road around when it came out at the festivals, and Adam made some solid points about just exactly how exemplary it was for a low-budget feature. Well, I recommend that you go check the review out if you're into him, he brings up some, like, the impressive length of the shots in Thunder Road and how the screenplay, is most important one feels perfectly written to mind the budget's limitations. Like, a highlight is him mentioning how there's this one shot where Jim Cummings tackles a mentally ill guy and they both get wet. And Adam mentions how a reset of that shot, say you wanted another take, would actually be pretty annoying to do on a movie with, like, such a low budget. It's, it's kind of insightful stuff. And it really piques my interest in the film. But then, then of course, there's you betting your wife and kids on Jim Cummings winning Best Director in the next decade on Halloween Killcast. I'll never forget your exact words. Jim Cummings is the best thing to happen to indie films since Sex, Lies, and Videotape. But you weren't referencing the Soderbergh hit. You were talking about literal fucking fibbing and VHS. It was illuminating me, Tanner. How about you?
1: So my introduction to Jim Cummings actually came, uh, maybe this is one of the few good worthwhile things I got with my film degree from Webster University. When I took the... uh, It was then known as Directing the Narrative. I think it's called Advanced Directing now. I took that class under Brian Jun, shout out to Brian Jun, and one of the things he had us watch was he would have us watch various short films, some older ones and some modern ones, and the one that stuck out the most in my mind was a 12-minute short film shot in one long continuous take called Thunder Road, a little movie about a guy eulogizing his mother By singing a Bruce Springsteen song and I fell in love with it that was my introduction to Cummings after I just fell in love with it I watched some of his other shorts I believe the one that really stuck out to me was Robbery fast forward about a year later I start hearing things about there's a movie called Thunder Road and I looked into it and I realized oh no this is the feature version of that short film yeah. I became obsessed with it, but because this is a real indie, indie-ass film, this isn't, like, an A 24 indie film or a Fox Searchlight indie film. This is an <laughs> indie mother-effing film, which means you have to, like, pray to God and go through the dark channels on, in order to find a copy of it. I remember New Year's Eve 2018. I watched the Thunder Road feature with my then-girlfriend. It instantly became my favorite movie of that year. At the end of August, I thought... I'm not going to like a film more than I like Black Klansman. And then Thunder Road came along and I loved Thunder Road so much. I couldn't believe it cost $250,000 or not even, I think just $200k. Such a remarkably cheap film, but it punches well above its weight and I kind of just became obsessed with Cummings from that moment onward somehow missed the two million dollar horror comedy Wolf of Snow Hollow a couple years later I somehow missed that when it first came out that's funny the parabola
0: you went from like 200k to like 2 million back to 200k again yeah back to
1: super small budget
0: but, you know, he was able to pay the actors who are
1: known actors. Robert Forster, at bare minimum, that was a big, his final performance in a film from Robert Forrester was that movie. When I heard about the beta test, I saw the trailer and I just kind of instantly got hooked to it. I think I rented it the day it came out. Oh my
0: God. Seeing this movie before everybody else got to see it. You were on like a mission to the moon. This movie
1: must've been nuts with no spoilers at all. This was my sixth favor of 2021. We'll get into that later, of course, but yeah, vanishing point. Let's get into that. No, I wasn't going
0: to get into in-depth studio knowledge. What's
1: their uh, operating budget and revenue cost per year?
0: <laughs> I, I know that they got 333 K in escrow mm. from this fucking website called, called go, gofuckme.com. go that's it's that, awesome. was Go
1: da- that was GoDaddy.com's original URL, <laughs> but they, wouldn't, they couldn't get the Super Bowl ad approved. So I have now seen every Jim Cummings film.
0: Uh, it's, it's sort of strange because you have people like Kevin Smith is probably like the, the one out of ten kind of like very crude humor. All of his films have reoccurring things. And then you have like Wes Anderson over here on like the very snooty, like ten out of ten. The aesthetic is very maximalist. Lots of money and talent getting pumped in there, but also a lot of reoccurring things. Jim Cummings is in this beautiful, just kind of like athletic 8 out of 10 spot where there are reoccurring things, but it's not like a Wes Anderson movie where it's printed at the paperwork factory. Some quaint little like, you know, candy confection machine. I love, love, loved these movies, okay? Thunder Road was just as good as you hyped it up to be. I owe you, I owe you that. I'm 100% certain that this is a line lifted from one of the making of videos for one of these movies, but all of Jim Cummings' movies so far are about Jim's main character being at the very end of keeping up with his own bullshit. It's sort of the same arc to an extent in every movie, but he's got enough fresh elements introduced to keep it awesome. Keep your eyes peeled for these things. This is the sort of highlights magazine, uh, go find these. Vaping. People talking about how somebody said Y'all, And I know he was local because he said y'all. Hi, you say y'all, I say y'all too. Where are you from? Characters with a sober streak. (laughs) And I'm sure there's so many more that they've snuck in there. Um, Another screenwriting thing that Jim leaned on that I really enjoyed is he puts his main character into a corner where it's almost impossible for you to predict the redemptive act at the end of the screenplay. This man consistently like burns through all of his contacts and yet there's this prize inside the Wonder Ball. It's really gratifying in both Thunder Road and Wolf of Snow Hollow, watching them pull that shit out there at the end. I wish you could have been there for when I when I saw him slap that corpse for the first
1: time. It's, oh, that corpse slapping moment is one of the, was the moment where I realized this is my favorite m- movie of the year. You think that's, you, you shouldn't do that. It's misogynistic, but also that woman died. Leave your, mu- these are things that people have said. I'm not saying that. Realistic, you you know, a lot of people don't like that moment in the Thunder Road, and I understand it to an extent, but also like it's 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 such a oh god! This is not a Thunder Road podcast, and I would like to do one someday, so I'm not gonna like spill it out all now, but. One thing I have to mention because I'm me
0: is the paralleling scenes in The Wolf of Stow Hollow and my favorite series of television ever, True Detective season one. So there's a scene where a cop abuses his power to do a breaking and entering on somebody's boyfriend because he's mad at the boyfriend for getting their fuck on like doing the nasty the hardcore alcoholism although i'm certain that's just a part of the formatting when you boot up celtics and put it in detective script mode i think it just puts (laughs) that in the captions alcoholic alcoholically goes into the room the villain (laughs) at the end of the wolf of snow hollow looks a lot like the yellow king he looks a lot like that actor and the tremendous height is emphasized and beat for beat this one is just very close to plagiarism. The main detective gets stabbed and lifted up by the final boss and then their partner comes in and shoots the dude, effectively saving the main character's ass.
1: You asked this was PTA and honestly, I'm I'm excited to ask this question is what makes Cummings stand out as a director? Because I think he has a very distinct style and I'm someone who, when you bring up auteur theory, I say auteur theory exists, but I also think sometimes people try to use auteur theory to shut down like democratic type filmmaking When I say democratic, I mean when, like, the director is more willing to listen to other voices on the set, which is more my style. I like listening to other people's ideas as a filmmaker. That's my style. But Cummings most certainly feels like an indie auteur, for sure. There's a distinct through line through all three of his movies. I mean, of course, he's writing, directing, and starring in all of them, which, you know, puts a stamp distinctly on Hell, he edited two of them. What makes him so unique? What makes him the indie king right now. All the indie people love him. What do you think, Austin?
0: I love how this dude, the way he put his foot in the door was harder than, like, it was a more difficult route than he had to take. He started with Thunder Road, which is this deeply moving, beautiful depiction of a broken cop. Somebody who's actually very sad and pathetic in the way a real cop with these personal issues would be. The fact that he made his whole first movie without the extreme sex or violence is really hardcore because there's this thing I like to make fun of in film school. There's like, everyone brings up, it's, it's a lot easier to bring up the genres of like, everyone wants to make a Hitman film. Uh, back 10 years ago, it would have been, everyone wants to make a film with zombies and lightsabers, but there's also this very cloying kind of affectionate film that people try to make where my, my uh, example is always, it's about a person learning to dance. <laughs> you know, it's, it's always about some person literally learning how to like do ballet or something. But what Jim Cummings is able to do is he's realistically able to go for those emotional beats and convince you that he's he's really going to get there, but he infuses it with enough other stuff that there's entertainment value behind it. It's not trying to manipulate you too terribly because he still beats the shit out of himself. That's what's weird. He's so vulnerable. He takes weird, he goes out on ledges and makes himself look like shit a lot of the time, which is bonkers. It lets him explore the craft of acting in all these ways. Oh my god, if you told Marlon Brando to act out the first, like, 13 minutes of Thunder Road, he'd probably jizz his pants. Assuming you get the Marlon Brando back when he could memorize lines?
1: Yeah, back when he, like, was trying more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think what makes him special is he has a network of people, and he has enough equipment he may privately own or have access to. He has people who support him, and you know how they have the phrase, like, "It, it, it enables you to do horrible things, like if you have other people like around you telling you to do stuff they often more so lean towards enabling his boldness which is such a thin line to walk that is that is the thing about Jim Cummings films they're bold and I fucking love that there's directors like Craig S. Zoller right and there's directors like Sam Levinson's another one where they'll try to be provocative on the lib conservative spectrum shit that is we're frankly all tired of it Whereas Jim Cummings will be bold in these new ways that are much more deeply human and refreshing to watch, or at least they're classically entertaining, depending on which of his three films you stumble into. I think it's emotional gravity. Obviously, there's technical craft. He hires a good crew, but he's making stuff that's not like other features out there because he'll go off in directions that other actors would either have too much pride for or other creatives just... Probably wouldn't think to do because they'd imagine it wouldn't be marketable enough. But he, like, just miraculously gets these things made.
1: I think his biggest strength as an actor is his courage. It's his willingness to go out on that ledge to look like a pathetic, horrible piece of shit. Just literally bearing your soul out, even when the greats, like, listen, let me just say this my favorite performance of last year was Andrew Garfield's John Larson. I like that performance more than Jim Cummings in the beta test, but John Larson's kind of a crappy person sometimes and I don't think Andrew Garfield's performance really really, completely goes there. This isn't a critique of that performance because that movie is not trying to highlight the piece of crapness, so it, 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 it it's fine. With Jim Cummings, he just, he goes there. In every one of his movies, he has a meltdown in a parking lot. There's nothing <laughs> I'd love more than watching Jim Cummings have a meltdown in a parking lot. The scene in Thunder Road where he loses his job as a cop, and he just strips down while screaming at everyone. Like, holy shit. Here, try getting off duty. I'll ruin the parking lot experience for all of you. Another thing I really like, the technical mastery, there's a way he lenses his movies. Where, like, he manages to make these shots where the backgrounds whatever's behind a character can feel so far away sometimes that isolates these characters in these frames. He writes these incredible screenplays that have a lot of interesting ideas that have fantastic character work and they're 90 minutes long.
0: Yes, the saving grace.
1: In an oh. era where movies are getting longer than, and longer, Jim Cummings is somehow making these deep, thought-provoking masterpieces that are 90 minutes long. And I can't believe it. he's doing it on this low budget. That's why when I brought him up on Halloween kills podcast the reason why i was the most excited by halloween kills when jim cummings showed up is the idea that someone like could give him a big budget and he has supporters in the industry david gordon green obviously bill Hader, and the biggest one because apparently him and this guy they're trying to like line up on a project they want to work together nicholas cage
0: Oh, that's fantastic.
1: Well, speaking of another actor that's not afraid to put himself out there, Nicolas Cage. I mean, come on. Nick Cage is your actor's favorite actor. There's a reason. Imagine the two of them in a movie together. Oh
0: my God, that'd be amazing. I never would have made that connection because I, in my head, was comparing him more to Christian Bale. I think it mostly is the teeth.
1: Because of the teeth. The teeth. (laughs) And he
0: also, at some points in the beta test, just looks sort of like he's doing an American Psycho parody.
1: He was asked on Reddit, hey, is, um, is the beta test inspired by American Psycho? And he kind of said, I was more inspired by Parasite and some other things, but I guess that probably snuck in there too. I want someone to give him a big budget, even though he's able to do so, so much with the little budget. I want to see what this guy could do if they let him go nuts. Even though, again, the low budgets, he's already gone nuts. Like with the beta test. What did we think of the beta test? You can find out after, after this commercial break. Roll the transition, Austin. I think maybe now is a good time we all take a break and and reassess exactly what it is we're doing here. Welcome back to the Bomb Squad podcast. I don't know why I did that. We're going to talk about the beta test now, the movie... That people paid the seat, paid the seat. <laughs> like, they came into a theater on a $5 Tuesday, paid $5, walk into the bom- to AMC Creve Corps 7 to watch uh, the bomb squad talk about the beta test, and we've just been talking about Thunder Road for 30 minutes. There's a guy very angry. He's demanding a refund. They said, sir, more than half the movie has happened. We cannot give you a refund. Ah, yes, the beta test. Known in other
0: territories as... Raspberry Pies Wide Shut, Visual Basic Instinct, <laughs> an erotic thriller. And I think it's funny that Jim Cummings and PJ McCabe, the two creators of this, have taken every opportunity to introduce it as a comedy whenever it's screened, uh, which is such a hilarious stunt. It's funny where like, we'll introduce the film and say, hey guys, thank you so much for working on this for a while. It's a comedy, enjoy the oh, film.
1: And <laughs> It is funny at times. I consider it a, a comedy thriller.
0: I guess I'm so, like, high on how provocative this film is. I absolutely adore that something like this made it out. It was like when I was very excited for that World of Tomorrow Disney film that they filmed inside the Disney parks, thinking it was going to be some scra- scathing critique that was really well put except together.
1: That except it sucked ass and is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Wow. It's a giant testicle
0: it was the biggest letdown of my entire fucking life but this this is an actual miracle baby especially in this climate and especially considering agencies still exist they work in the industry with agents how how did they fucking make this
1: well i mean that's what the refund things for and clearly it's not a problem because like i said halloween kills he's gonna keep getting work so, interesting
0: thing about their process, I was watching a Q&A with Jim and PJ, and they were talking about how they got, I think, 12 agents who work in Hollywood, like fairly big ones, to break NDAs and talk to them. And they developed this process sort of like when the first one broke, what they did was they used that bits from that guy's stories to convince the other ones they already knew everything, so the other guys would spill the beans even harder. They Like, once they got that first guy, it was like a snowball effect, and they learned all right. about how fucked up these people are, just like the main character of the movie.
1: Agencies in the modern day are becoming incredibly fucked up because they are afraid of their diminishing power, so they're trying to become creative brokers themselves. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, kind of actually not great. Don't get me wrong, the studios aren't great, but I don't like the idea that the agencies control the studios that feel like such a... Super conflict of interest that would make it even harder for new talent to break into the industry? Abs fucking
0: I think my hierarchy for like things that blow my mind about this movie is definitely like all the shots they took at agents, especially that one-lined Raymond gives.
1: I don't need anything packaged. That's a term you made up to steal people's money and it's all going to collapse around you. You are a dying social network and everyone can wait to watch you fall apart but way above
0: it is the sci-fi. This is so strange. You don't expect you're walking into this sci-fi that sort of hammers you over the head the way The Matrix did. But for me, as a, um, a, a person who's deeply interested in people's sex lives, basically, I think sex is a very fascinating social dimension. I love talking about it. And this movie, unlike a lot of movies, is also very interested in the way sex and romance works. And it's so fucking neat. Like, I cannot tell you, dude, people watch Fifty Shades of Grey and think they're cool. This is a real movie about sexual politics. I'm so fucking happy about the concept introduced in this. So spoilers. There's this much better version of Tinder and it results, it it turns into a monster where basically you're given like sort of a letter and all of your digital information from ever since you started using social media is scraped and paired with someone else who is just like mathematically as horny as you, same as you, they do the same shit on your phone that you do but a mirror version. And then you anonymously fuck them in a hotel room, straight to fucking, guaranteed fucking. And then you both have to leave. You don't know who each other are. And then if you pay $5,000, you get to meet them again and find out who they are. That is the horror movie nightmare version of Tinder that is the basis of this movie, as you find out near the end.
1: Funny enough, the original title for this movie was the Tinder swindler, but then they found out about the documentary and they had to cancel those (laughs) plans. Congratulations. You played yourself.
0: You're nobody. You don't connect people. I do. I want to ask you a question. One last thing before we get into the gritty of the film. So there's these things, I believe they're called psychographics, where, you know, it's like how they have things where it's like white guy who likes basketball. Imagine that multiplied by like a billion. Every bit of your internet activity makes you into a category, a perfect little category whittled down by fucking AI robots and shit. Would you ever want to know what your psychographic was? If somebody would just break into these marketing firms and tell you your big long list of who... Who you are,
1: would you want to know? Well, Facebook already lets you do it to a very tiny extent. You can look at your advertiser profile and see what demographics you fall under. One time I checked, it said I was a veteran, so I don't know how great these things are. <laughs> but, um, you're a veteran of the posting wars, yeah. I'm a veteran of the posting wars, I guess I'm a veteran of that. I, I, I suffer from traumatic stress from that. Um, I'd be curious because I'm a narcissist. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I would want to know only because I want to know why I get the ads I do sometimes. I would want to know so I could make friends.
0: I would want to know because I feel like I've still never met a person exactly like me. And if there is one out there, I want to meet him. Austin,
1: I can change for you. I can change for you, Austin.
0: (laughs) God, I adore how far they went with this movie. Just the amount of thought and effort put into it. I haven't felt this way after watching an erotic thriller. I think in my entire life, they all have a lot of like pitfalls where it's like, oh, back in the 90s, it was like, watch these eye popping sex scenes with people who normally aren't in sex scenes. And then we like <laughs> got the much more vanilla version now where it's like, oh, they do the most entry level BDSM. Whereas this one is like cerebral horny to a lesser extent. This was the first thing I texted you about. He is so
1: down. <laughs> down yeah. tremendously, my guy. Man, man has never been this down bad in the history of down badness. Down tremendously, down horrendously. He is getting if fucked you will. up,
0: making eye contact with strangers.
1: He was just fucking gone, and it was very funny. There's where the humor comes from. How <laughs> deliriously horny this man is. And there's also a lot of other funny moments, like when he's filling out the card about what he likes, and he puts two check marks in circles face city. <laughs> A very
0: funny shot related to that. So um, his assistant makes off with the envelope with his preferences on it. And we never find out what happens to that envelope to my knowledge. And then later, um, they're talking about some kind of like thing related to her job. And his assistant says, You're in a good mood. Did your wife sit on your face this morning? <laughs> he He's like, did I hallucinate that? Because when, when petition, like, what did you just say? She's like,
1: Did you wake up on the right side of the bed this morning? It's an expression.
0: And so then there's a shot of him working out This montage of him being very stressed out Thinking everyone knows he's a pervert uh, Which is a constant thing through this movie And then there's a point where he leans up with a medicine ball And goes, nope, she said it I loved that <laughs> It's just
1: so funny And honestly what I love most about what what follows Is that I'm still not sure after watching this movie twice If she actually said it Or if it was all in, if it was all in his head I, I still don't know for sure And I love that about it I love how unexplained things are in this movie. Uh, Like, the most unexplained thing about this movie is how he got that wonderful woman to be his fiance in the first place. That was Elizabeth Olsen, right? No! That was not- Oh, this is a bit. This is a (laughs) bit. She reminded me of Elizabeth
0: Olsen, the way that her face was.
1: Honestly, this is one that's hard for me to talk about. When I first wrote my letterbox review for it, it was hard to talk about because this movie's just too smart. This movie's very smart, and I'm very dumb. (laughs) Tanner, do you know how cathartic it was hearing his
0: wife, after all of his misadventures, say, I "I forgive forgive you? you? This film takes the post-Harvey Weinstein Me Too movement and just takes all the paranoia in a syringe, injects it into our poor main, and then the movie ends with a woman knowing all the perverted shit he's done, and then saying, I forgive you. That was fucking rad,
1: dude. Which also helps that I think, again, I'm not 100% sure, but the film seems to imply that she did the same thing. I love everything about this movie. It's one of the best screenplays of the year, for sure. Because there's so much going on with the way that the mystery unfolds, and just the character writing in general, like that whole sequence out in the cabin. When I watched it a second time, I became more convinced that she actually cheated because there's these little things you notice, like how he starts he starts vaping when he's stressed out in the cabin. She starts smoking a cigarette. So get this. My interpretation of that was he's
0: vaping. He's being fake. He's putting on a facade. He's lying to her about cheating, but she's ready to be real. The cigarette represents her realness her ability to be more down to earth than him because it's real, real acknowledging you're an addict. Unlike the vape, where it feels like a computer version of being an addict.
1: <laughs> it's a computer version of uh, addiction. You picked this stuff up more on a second watch. I think you suggested this to me. I can't remember how there was almost a beta beta test. Like how the Swedish lady that got murdered was like three-tenths of a mile away. And it was, uh, I think chronologically, it was three
0: weeks before the, the 314 letters that became the beta test were sent out
1: so it was like a proto version it might
0: have just been internet guy just sort of like arranging a much smaller thing to see if it worked the first time before he and, and when dropped three grand on the the beta test on those
1: those are some expensive half envelopes also love how the guy has like a, a person he lives with <laughs> Jim Cummings, of course, is brilliant in this. One of my favorite forms of the year we talked about this earlier With what makes Cummings stand out as an actor, as a filmmaker in general, and what makes him stand out as an actor is just he's so good at melting down. Those poor man's vocal cords must be fried to hell. And it says a lot about how Hollywood and just culture in general has changed in the past five years. The way we talk about sex, we're, we're more we're more kinky, but also we're more prude now, too, in a weird way when we talk about these things publicly. And, you know, after Harvey Weinstein, it's like everyone's, and don't get me wrong, the Me Too movement, I think, has been a net good for the industry, but I definitely understand the way that some people genuinely do feel like they have to walk on eggshells. Again, I think it's overstated, the having to walk on eggshells thing, I want to emphasize, but I I definitely get that sort of change, and it's fascinating how it dives onto these things, because the biggest thing, and this isn't so much a Me Too thing as it is a general thing, we don't give people second chances ever. That's why it was cool seeing her say, I forgive you. That was awesome. All this stuff, it's nothing
0: new. This could have been a conversation.
1: The, the the era of cancer culture and Me Too culture, that's only, like, one aspect of it. Another aspect of it is that, I mean, P.J. McCabry's character says it: adultery is down drastically. People are so terrified of stepping out of line at all. Scarlet letter. Scarlet letter. Yeah public used to be the bad guy remember that i feel like ever since ashley madison got hacked cheating has somehow become more taboo well, Ashley Madison got hacked. That was like, what, 2013?
0: Yeah, yeah, that was a while ago. It was referenced in the show Mr. Robot, actually. I, anyway, um, I, there was this line. I was, I heard PJ and Jim doing a Q&A, same Q&A. And uh, the, he says that the producer of this movie, one of the producers says, uh, there are lots of things in society that require a correction. And whenever a giant part of society is being corrected, you can expect there will be overcorrections. That sort of like sums up how messy this can be. I don't know if you could speak about it in absolutes because there are going to be tendrils of this that if we look back on them in 10 years when emotions aren't as heated, we're going to go, that might have been fucked up. That might have been lame. A little weird. But there yeah. are also, you know, very noticeable things that are happening that are going well.
1: Actually, while we're doing it, I'm going to talk about what my, se- my favorite part of the movie is. Mm-hmm. It's when Jim Cummings... Is rearing into his assistant Confronting her about the Did you say the Did you sit on my face thing And there's this line Where it's like So I can't use the language That I'd like to use To you right now Because of the new direction That the agency And the country
0: is going So I won't
1: And you think How much of those policies Are so performative bullshit Yes Because at the end of the day You know what Jim Cummings Is doing? Screaming at an intern That didn't even do anything Yep (laughs) And that's the messed up thing It's not if he calls her a whore Which would be messed up but it's messed up that he's screaming at her. He wields through Hollywood, and the way people think Hollywood works and
0: how Hollywood probably actually works, such an unusual amount of power over this person, while we were able to stop the sort of, like, sexual parts of it, they still, he still ends up treating his assistant like a complete piece of shit. That that hasn't changed at all. And then there's also, how are you going to convince me today that you're better at your fucking job tomorrow? Jacqueline.
1: Which doesn't even make sense.
0: (laughs) Nope, it's bullshit corporate (laughs) jargon.
1: It's just, it's just buzzwords. It's buzzwords upon buzzwords upon buzzwords. Why do we keep working with these guys? Because nobody knows what's going on and everybody still wants to be
0: Harvey. We dress nice. We want to shout at subordinates and fuck people and get away with it. I loved the murder the murder chain in this film. Uh, they just are able to write scripts where you can have these giant like nationwide events happening or town-wide, and you don't have to show that much, but it's so interesting what's going on, because when this beta test goes out, where it asks the question, would you leave the person you're currently in a committed relationship with, usually married to, for someone who's as horny and weird in the same way as you? And you know how you can tell this is in Los Angeles, because whenever this happens, they don't just break up, they don't get divorced. It's murder, Oh, wait,
1: wait, wait,
0: what's going on here? Hold on. Wait, this is really happening? You really did this? In this climate? Dude, are you fucking suicidal?
1: Well, here's something I want to point out, What I, which I noticed. So as you know, there are three couples we see talk about after the caught cheating thing there's that swedish couple at the beginning there's the chinese billionaire couple and then there's that black couple at the third time something i notice is that we never see what the swedish lady does we don't see that we do see flashbacks to what the chinese billionaire does and what that black guy does i don't know if you noticed this and i don't know if i'm overthinking it but it's i can't help but notice it they were with men both of those guys were with men and not women they were having gay sex
0: Yeah, because they do reference the Swedish lady being killed and they choose not to add a visual insert in there.
1: If it was just a Chinese billionaire, then maybe there's a layer there about how when you're that level of rich relationships, are business transactions, and more than a, they're for show.
0: As we learned in the pandemic, when all those rich people got divorced because they had to be in the same house with their spouses for a spouse. long periods of time.
1: Yeah, only Bill and Melinda came out unscathed. No, wait, they got a divorce too. What am I yeah, saying? Epstein got him. Boom. Maybe there's something there about how you're just performatively happy, but then there's also the black guy who just seems to be a guy. I can't tell what he is as a, like a... What he does, like, job-wise? Yeah, so I can't figure out if there's, like, a class thing there. So I don't know. Then maybe I'll watch this the third or fourth time, and I'll suddenly go, I don't think
0: I've seen something like this in a long time, but also, I didn't get to see Benedetta last year, so I may be wrong, (laughs) but... Thank you, Tanner. This is uh, I've exactly, heard mixed reviews on that one. Exactly
1: my type of movie. You fucking did it, dude. I'm pretty sure one of the first things I did right after I watched it was I messaged <laughs> you saying you're gonna love this. Sometimes
0: I feel so weird being horny in today's society. Just enjoying, sort of like thinking about that stuff. And this movie did the whole intellectual interplay of how that whole thing is going. It was very gratifying
1: to me. <laughs> So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with a pop quiz here real quick, Austin. If you had to pick a favorite scene in the movie, what do you think you would pick?
0: Data scraping. when Data his, scraping? When his friend says, I'm going to talk and I'm going to finish. That was like the scene in Eternals when it's revealed the robots and the whole scheme. <laughs> it was like that, but so much more exciting for me because I hadn't thought about the, the implications of being on social media to that extent for such a long time, Tanner.
1: Now I can't help but imagine that that scene from Eternals, except PJ McCrabbey's head is just gigantically pasted onto uh, Erisham's head, and then Jim Cummings, with like a goofy grin, is pasted onto Cersei's head. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even see that. Yeah, that's a great scene, too, and it has that sick 360 shot. It's insane that this movie cost less than a half a million dollars.
0: I mean, they shot this in LA, I think. How'd you do that for $300
1: million? 350 like location agreements alone I think would put you down well there's one thing they did the basement scene at the end they shot that in their office the whole car thing was CGI the garage I think I said they filmed this
0: in 17 to 18 days according to Jim Cummings
1: so they didn't have to pay a lot of uh, day rates
0: (laughs) (laughs) trying to think of other trivia
1: yeah Tanner's trivia corner you took one of mine by the way sorry The, the agent thing All I have left is that when Johnny PayPal stands up to confront Jordan on the whiteboard behind him, you see the Eros algorithm formula which is supposedly the formula that the beta test itself is based off of. One thing I want to shout out as somebody who edits in Adobe programs
0: and does not like avid, sorry. Um, this, this movie, I think everything but the VFX was mostly done, done in Adobe, in Adobe, Adobe programs. programs. I mean, you hear about this shit where people in like TV houses or like commercials, maybe lo- small commercials. You, do you hear that tiny shrimp things use Adobe, but this movie, a movie I deeply love was made using the programs I have on on my computer. Honestly, Jim Cummings is an inspiration. He is the rags to riches story I cannot poke a hole in. He is legitimately just the dude who did
1: it. Because I remember sometimes I tell you, well, look at this actor, look at this actor, and try to say that I could still make it. I'll be like, Timothy Chalamet, and you'll be like, New York doesn't count.
0: New York doesn't <laughs> count. California doesn't count. If they were but, born there, they had it
1: made. But he's from New Orleans. He's from New he Orleans. He was 19 when Katrina happened, and he has made it as a filmmaker because he had a short At Sundance at one, the right person saw it gave him more money to make more shorts, which escalated to getting funding for Thunder Road. In this one, they
0: had the weird crowdfunding where if you put in money, you actually get return money on your investment.
1: Yeah, like he you see in the behind the scenes making up video how he's like, great news, guys. You're going to get some ROI. God, I'm so glad we can finally have a podcast episode to talk about Jim Cummings and this movie because my favorite thun- is still going to be Thunder Road. It, it's going to be hard to top Thunder Road. I'm not kidding. That is one of my favorite movies of that decade. Like if you were to put a murderer's role of the 2010s, it'd be like The Social Network, Scott Pilgrim, Avengers, Birdman. Swiss Army Man and then Thunder Road is somewhere in that like hard hitting movies which Thunder Road it's so brilliant so good but this movie's also good I've given every Jim Cummings movie I've seen five stars on my letterbox stats there are two directors who have a five star average it's Jim Cummings and Greta Gerwig two very different filmmakers but both indie filmmakers-ish Greta Gerwig comes from an indie background but I think both of her movies have at least had some funding backed by a studio like A24 any final thoughts you want to spit out about the beta test if
0: I could see my psychographic if I could find it out I'd seek out every other person like me and show this movie to them and just be like it's okay we're gonna be fine
1: my final thoughts I love the movie it's a brilliant movie it's a smart movie it's a deeply funny movie it's a thrilling movie you feel tense when you want to feel tense you laugh when you want to laugh it Tonally balances everything so perfectly. It looks like a $20 million movie made for less than a half a million dollars. <laughs> what a picture. What a picture. Good, good picture. Yeah. That is so much fun. <laughs> I love that
0: stuff, you know, the killing. A lot of killing. A lot of killing. Yeah. And there's nothing else being made like it.
1: Yeah. And I can't wait to see what Cummings does next because whatever it is must be brilliant. And. I'm sorry, I just want to harp on coming some more. I love him. Please forgive me. When the Sundance Film Festival 2022 was announced to be going digital, he posted a tweet saying, filmmakers, I understand how much this sucks because it's harder to get eyes in front of your movie if it's digital only. Send me your movies. I will watch it. I will tell you what I think. And as far as I can tell, he followed through on that. Anyone who actually sent him a movie that was in Sundance, he watched it. He told people what he thought about it. He followed through on that. He would send it to people. That's the thing with Jim Cummings. He's not just a brilliant filmmaker. He's like, he has the thing that all the great directors have. He loves movies too. Del Toro. Tarantino, Spielberg, all these people are people that love the craft and Cummings does too. So I'm telling you once they give him like 10 million dollars to make a movie, he's going to blow our goddamn minds.
0: We're going to see some early tier Edgar Wright shit, especially if PJ keeps hanging around. They're a dynamic duo.
1: Oh for sure. So I can't wait to see what Cummings does next. Can can you not wait to see what Cummings does next? I can't wait to see what's coming from Cummings. I hope I've introduced you to one of your favorite modern filmmakers. At least you've just everything you've texted me this weekend has been music to my ears. I, it's nice to know that someone loves this guy as much as I do now. Thank you for taking me on this wild ride. You want to know who who I love as much, almost as maybe just about as much as I love Jim Cummings. You want to know who I love as much as Jim Cummings, Austin? Who you? The person watching slash listening to this podcast... If you are listening on any of the audio platforms we are on, thank you oh, oh, so very much for listening. Leave a review. It boosts us in the algorithm. Maybe we'll get attention someday. If you're watching this on Spotify Video, uh, we cursed a lot. Thank you for watching on Spotify Video. Uh, It's the one thing we do that doesn't make us any money. So, uh, if you're watching us primarily on Spotify Video, how about you go down and support us on Patreon to help make up for the fact you're watching the one thing we don't run ads on, because I can't figure out how to run ads on it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Ha ha ha! Support us on Patreon. We have a Patreon. Please support us. We are hoping that we can make money doing this someday, so we don't have to work our dead-end day jobs. If you're watching this podcast on YouTube, thank you oh so very much for watching. Please, go down in the comment section below. Do you know about Jim Cummings as a filmmaker? What introduced you to him? What do you think about him as a filmmaker? What's your favorite Jim Cummings movie? What do you think of the beta test? And finally, have you ever been down that tremendously? Tell us a time about the time you were down so bad, so tremendously that eye contact would give you a boner that would last for more than four hours dangerously down <laughs> down horrendously my guy Come below and let me know and while you're down there please go ahead and hit the like button to let us know how much you like us hit the subscribe button so we can know how much you love us and hit the bell icon so I can enter your home. <laughs> I am in your walls. I am inside your walls. No, uh, hit it so you know exactly when you upload doing videos. Thank you so very much for watching guys. Tune in next week for a very special episode of the Bomb Squad podcast. Not me. I'm going to take a break this week, but they're going to be talking about, Austin, what are you guys talking about next week?
0: Matt Cross, do you remember love? An anime film that Ethan is going to say great things about with a special guest that you're going to find out about. He's a big fucking deal.
1: But yeah, tune in next week. It's going to be great. Thank you all so very much for watching, guys, and I'll see y'all next time. Farewell. Down horrendously, my guy.